time. It's a straightforward one. Uh, we're getting uh, the briefing by the department about its uh, APP. And of course, after that, we'll deal with the minutes. Not unless uh, there's any other issue. Let me allow an opportunity for some apologies, if we have any. Some apologies. Amanda? Good morning, Chair. Um, the only apology that I received is that of the Minister. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Any other apology besides that one that we have? No, Chair, I have not received any apologies from the members of the committee. Okay. Uh, the department is led by the DM, so I will uh, take this opportunity to welcome the DM, the officials, and uh, all of you. I'll afford the DM to make some uh, remarks before the responsibility can be delegated to the relevant person that will be doing the presentation. DM? Recording in progress. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, as I was about to log into this meeting, I just experienced a uh, load shedding here where I'm staying. So as a result, uh, I'm using a very, very small gadget. I'm asking that I should not switch on my video. Uh, Chair, if you agree. No, you're allowed, Jim uh, Apulane. We understand. Even where I am, also have got the same challenge, but for now it's still fine. Uh, uh, okay. You are allowed to, as long as it's clear as it is now, we're fine. Yeah, no, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Um, uh, Chairperson, we, we, we are here to present the annual performance plan of the department. Um, uh, we have got the officials, um, the acting DG is on leave and uh, as a result she's not going to be able to be with us this morning. Um, the delegation from the officials will be led by DDG. Uh, Marshallo, as uh, we have arranged, so he is the one who is going to be taking us through the presentation. Chair, the presentation is quite straightforward. It's a it's a it's an APP of the department, so I'm not gonna get too much into it. I'm just gonna ask if you do allow that you should take us through the presentation and if there are questions we can then clarify the questions during the Q&A session. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Shalok. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, good morning, uh, members of the committee. Uh, good morning, DM and all the members and everybody that is listening on this platform today. Uh, I'm going to take you through uh, 
2022-23 annual performance plan of uh, DCDT. Uh, Stephen, if you can go to slide number four, as we've discussed. Okay, in terms of uh, our APP, so we do have uh, 36 targets. And uh, if we were to look on our impact statement, so the impact statement is uh, digitally enabled, inclusive and competitive economy and society. So from that impact statement, we have derived four outcomes. Outcome one being uh, enabling the digital transformation policies and strategies, as well as regulations, where we do have uh, 13 APP targets for this financial year. And then uh, outcome number two, which is increased access to security infrastructure and services. We have got seven APP targets. Uh, outcome number three, it's digitally transformed economy and society. We have got uh, eight APP targets. And then the last, uh, last outcome is uh, high-performing and sustainable portfolio to enable achievement of uh, the respective mandate, where we do have uh, eight uh, APP targets. So in total, as I mentioned before, we do have uh, 36 APP targets for this current financial year. You can go to the next slide, uh, just... So in terms of uh, uh, the outcome number one, if I can just uh, delve a bit onto the, you know, uh, the outcomes, uh, the APP targets in there. So what we are looking to do for this financial year is to have three country positions developed and approved to support the national ICD priorities, focusing on BRICS, ITUPP22, as well as WTDC. We are also looking on to having the audiovisual uh, white paper submitted to cabinet for approval. Uh, the other one is the policy direction on the discontinuation of the analog TV sets from uh, domestic production and imports. As you would know on this one that uh, we are going ahead with the digital migration. So this target is supporting that digital migration to ensure that we move away from the analog uh, uh, transmission in terms of TV. The other one is a post-bank amendment bill uh, monitored in parliamentary process. Uh, the other one is uh, the draft uh, uh, regulator reform policy that is going to be developed. Uh, SABC bill submitted to cabinet for approval to be introduced in parliament. Also, we do have the disestablishment of USASA that we are looking into. Uh, digital economy strategy, which will be developed as well. Uh, SAPO amendment bill, which will be submitted uh, to cabinet, also to be introduced to parliament in this second uh, financial year. The uh, draft national cloud computing policy, which will be submitted to the executive authority for approval. That's one of the targets. And also in terms of uh, looking on the strategy for delivering the services through 5G as well as the Wi-Fi 6 to stimulate the digital economy. We are also looking on the policy to discontinue the GSM phones or the 2G phones, uh, which uh, we are going to be developing as well. And the last one on this uh, uh, outcome is the electronic communication amendment bill, which will be submitted to the cluster and cabinet for public consultation and approval. So we can go to the next one. In terms of uh, outcome number two, uh, which is uh, the increased access to secure digital infrastructure and services. 
So the ABP targets that we are looking into on this one is uh, the implementation of the revised SA Connect uh, uh, model coordinated on the funded sites. There are sites that were funded on uh, phase one. So we are looking on those ones as well, and we are looking on the moving to the second phase of uh, you know uh, the SA Connect. So also one of the things that we are looking on to is uh, the rapid deployment uh, of digital infrastructure, which will be coordinated. Also, the implementation of the strategic national cyber security programs and services monitored. Uh, we are also looking on to the household migration and analog switch of uh, broadcasting digital migration coordinated for households that were registered after 31 October 2021. Uh, we are also going to be developing the policy direction on the 5G deployment, implementation of the social obligations for the new spectrum license holders, which will be monitored as well. And you will know that these social obligations were part of the ITA that was released in terms of the, the spectrum auction. And the last one on this one is the second draft SA preliminary position on World Radio Congress 22, which will be developed. You can go to the next slide. And then uh, outcome number three, which is digitally transformed economy and society. So what we are looking into on that one is the implementation of identified international programs to support the digital economy initiatives that will be coordinated. We are also gonna be looking on the study to communicate, study on cost to communicate, which will be conducted to inform the revision on data costs and recommendations stemming from that study, which will be implemented. We will also be continuing the implementation of the e-government strategy and roadmap, which focuses on the single portal for privatized government services. Uh, I think, uh, Chair, I need to, to emphasize on this point here that as part of our mandate in terms of digitizing government, the e-government program becomes one of the critical programs that we are doing, and uh, we have moved uh, with speed uh, from the last financial year to make sure that that portal is revamped and it can be used in now with for the citizens. But we will be continuing the development of that portal for the additional services. And then also we are looking on the implementation of the digital and future skills program. Also, one of the, the critical uh, programs that we're gonna be looking on to this financial year is gonna be the green paper on the digital government, which will lead to the digital government act uh, uh, in the next uh, two years or so. And the reason why we did look on this one is because we have seen that we are not moving fast enough in terms of digitizing the government. So it, if it becomes then a legislation, then it becomes uh, uh, quite important uh, to make sure that we can have this as a legislation. And then the next one is the digital and future skills training programs that are coordinated through local uh, and international public and private partnerships. Also the establishment of the AI Institute coordinated as well as the AI strategy developed. This is stemming from uh, one of the outcomes of uh, the PCFIR report. And it's one of the areas that we're gonna be focusing heavily on uh, this, this current financial ESG. And also the last one is gonna be the digital economy master plan uh, to be approved and implemented. Uh, you can go to the next slide, uh, Justin. Uh, outcome number four, on outcome number four, which is high-performing and sustainable portfolio to enable the achievement of the, the respective mandates, 
So this is more, or some of his uh, targets are, are inward looking as well from our department, which includes the digital transformation strategy implemented, which is we're gonna be looking on the workflow management uh, of the department. Also in terms of departmental and SOC GDYC responsiveness programs, monitored in line with the national targets. We are also gonna be doing the implementation of the DCDT integrated action plan in support of uh, the national strategic plan on gender-based violence, focusing on prevention and reporting and economic power pillars. Also, we will be looking onto the district digital development model, which is DDM, prioritized on the prioritized districts which we're gonna be implementing as well. Uh, consolidation, consolidated performance monitoring and reporting for the portfolio will be developed as well. So implementation of the recommendations from the analysis of the departmental and the public entities performance report, as well as the tabling of the, the APPs of the public entities in line with the MTSF and in line with, which will be facilitated as well. Also, the last one there is the monitoring and evaluation of the performance management system for the ICASA councillors will be facilitated as well. I think those are the 36 uh, uh, priorities that we will be looking into for this uh, next financial year. If we can just, just go through the financial performance and uh, financial information for this current financial year. Uh, next slide. So in terms of uh, the, the MTF uh, allocation, you will see that uh, we have got uh, 7.7 billion that has been allocated uh, on the MTF. And 70% of the budget, uh, it's going, it goes to the transfers to the entities. And in terms of the, the COE, uh, you will see that it's allocated, uh, allocated ceiling not to be exceeded without the approval of parliament. And also there has been a decline in the 2023-24 financial year and an increase in 2024-25 financial year. In terms of the, the goods and services, we have included the allocation of the SA Connect, which is the broadband rollout uh, for the public institutions. And you would see on 22-23, we have got 203 million that has been allocated to SA Connect. 23-24, it's gonna go to 204, and then 24-25, it's gonna go to 212 million which in total goes to 620 uh, million in the medium term. And then if we can just uh, go through in terms of the, the economic classification, you will see that uh, most of uh, our budget goes to the transfers at uh, 1.9 billion, which is uh, if I'm looking on the 2022 uh, current financial year, which is 2022-23. And then the compensation of employees is 302 million. And then goods and services is 440 uh, million. And then in terms of uh, the payment of capital assets, 3.4 million. And then in terms of the total for, for the current financial year, we are sitting at 2.717 billion uh, for this financial year. Next slide, Chair. So in terms of uh, the transfers, uh, you will see that uh, for the medium term, so the transfers that we've got is uh, 5.4 billion. And uh, the transfers that we are doing, uh, we are doing in line with uh, the approved uh, treasury regulations. And if you can just dwell a little bit on the transfers, you'll see that uh, the biggest uh, ticket items goes to, to ICASA, our regulator, at 769 million on the current financial year. Uh, 
And then also the other one is South African Post Office at uh, 500 million uh, this current financial year. And the third one, it is the, the SABC in terms of the public uh, mandate, which is 133.8 uh, uh, million. Uh, next slide. I think that would be the last slide, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. I'm going to hand over to, to the DM for any final remarks. If, uh, thank you very much, uh, and the committee. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, uh, DDG Mashalu, for the presentation. Chair, this constitute our annual performance plan in summer uh, that we wish to present to the committee. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, DM. Colleagues, this is the APP of the department. Let's uh, engage colleagues. Uh, Honorable uh, Labuskachne, you'll be the first one, followed by Honorable Alnod. I'm here, Chair. And Honorable uh, Nana, my chocolate. Thank you very much, Honorable Nyambi. Good morning, everyone. Um, uh, I, uh, I have a few questions to ask. First of all, uh, I would say, want to say thank you for the presentation. I would like to know, you know, you have four outcomes, uh, that's just in general, and um, everyone in this committee knows that I do not attend this committee on a regular basis due to uh, the fact that I'm in another committee that very often meet at the same time. But I must say from the last uh, previous year's presentation on the APPs and the and the strategy to, to today, uh, there's a vast difference. But it's a very, uh, my question is, in the four outcomes that you say, this is the, the outcome, but the priorities has been listed. There's a lot of priorities. And I also picked up on a lot of policy changes or development, as well as I've seen at least three pieces of legislation. Now, you say these are the outcomes and the priorities for 22-23. I'm asking if, if this is very realistic. Is it realistic? Is it practical, possible to implement all these things? That's the first question. Then the second question, I would like to know on the cybersecurity programs and um, uh, 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 monitoring of that, is that only for within your department or the entities? And how far is it exactly? Just a little bit more about that. Then the third question is the, the role and the, the function, uh, as well as uh, the role of the function of the, your department into the district development model and because that is focused on local government and the funds are directed to that and how does that align with the, the roles and functions of the schedule four and five in the, in the constitution? And then the last question is, 
the 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 500 million or more or less 500 million billion rand i don't know what whether it's million or billion or the second biggest chunk of your uh, um, budget that's going to SA post offices and we know that the state that the post offices are in what what specific use uh, or what, what does the post office need or what does the post office utilize this money for and uh, 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 yeah or is 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 this a a a, a covered um, bailout to the post office? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Arnold. Uh, thank you, uh, Chairperson, and uh, greetings to the members of Parliament, and then also to the officials uh, that is present. Uh, Chairperson, uh, yeah. Let me first thank the department for presenting the. Um, 2022 2023 uh, annual uh, performance uh, plan. Chairperson, um, can the department explain why there was in previous year the um, priorities in terms of the outcomes was reduced from 41 to this current year? Uh, to 36. It was first reduced from 41 to 35, and now there's only for this year, only a one uh, um, um, priority increase in, in the department's uh, uh, outcomes. So can the departments please explain that? Then person, in terms of the transfers to, to entities, um, uh, this is a, a, a very big amount uh, if you look at the, the 5.4 billion transfers to, to entities. Um, but we all know that the entities uh, that is currently um, under the department, there's a lot of risk factors uh, which these entities are struggling with. And we can we can name a, a few of them in terms of the finance, financial sustainability, uh, governance challenges, and we're talking about their revenue targets, and and and, and we can go on, chairperson. So how uh, are the, the department going to ensure, uh, in terms of assistance and monitoring, uh, these entities so that they uh, can. Uh, so that they deliver on their um, their services uh, to 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 communities. Uh, then, say person, um, can we get a response from the department? Uh, there is a decline in the 2023-2024 financial year, uh, and then uh, again an increase in the 2024-2025 uh, financial year. Can the department please? So respond in terms of the financial year in 2023-2024, where there is a decline, and how will it impact on, on, on the services? Uh, thank you for now, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Anod, Honorable Nana. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, 
morning morning everyone chairman <clears throat> i would want to firstly make a comment with regards to to the presentation by by the department it took roughly about 15 minutes and i don't judge presentations by the amount of time spent uh, delivering them but it's just a comment it took roughly about 15 minutes i i should i should i should mention that it was rather thin on on detail Uh, you you will know chairman as much as i do that uh, in the in the nsop we we do insist uh, in wanting to see the impact uh, that these plans will have in our provinces in terms of uh, in terms of uh, projects and and, and and targets for for the rest provinces but but sadly this uh, this presentation is rather quiet or as i said it's it's pretty much thin uh it's it's because uh, people are used uh, people are used to doing things uh, the old same way uh, from where i'm sitting it doesn't look so different to to a presentation that can actually be made to to the national assembly uh, having said that chairman uh, there is a matter of sa connect who as a committee have raised on a number of occasions with the department uh, i would really want to know uh, the status of sa connect in so far as the pilot sites are concerned with particular reference to or tambo which is in my province and it happens to be my constituency i, I would really want to know how how far is the implementation of sa connect uh, in in that district and also how ready is the department in how ready is the department in implementing a, a beneficiation for communities in that area and that will include uh, whether people have been trained for maintenance and and repairment event uh this i mean i mean some, i mean something goes wrong with with, with connectivity uh, secondly chaperson and honorable uh announcer has covered me on on the targets on the priorities i wanted to raise that as well but but secondly it, it's it's on digital migration i've had the minister I suppose early this week or, or late last week uh addressing the media on on digital migration and I hope I'm wrong chairman I, I get a sense that 
the the department is and then please correct correct me if I'm wrong, DDG. Uh, I get a sense that the department is is pretty much in haste to to meet the target whilst leaving uh, multitudes multitudes of people behind with a risk of those people not with the risk of leaving those people without a connection to to television once once the country has has been migrated in in full the, the third the third issue and i know it's 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 not related to to your performance plans but it's but it's a matter that I, I really wanted to to ask. In fact, I did I did ask it to to your acting DG. I think it was Mungubela Jordan at the time uh, because it, it it pains it pains me it 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 it, it, it pains my heart, Chairman. Every time I drive past. Uh, the post office in Grimesau. Every time I drive, I drive past the post office in Butterworth, Duikwa, and in Alice, my hometown. As early as six o'clock, there are, there are long queues of people waiting to to withdraw their three fifties. People are on top of one another. It's a total. It's a total violation of the. I mean, of of those people's human rights. People queue as queue as early as six o'clock, and they might actually go home with without without getting their three fifties, having spent the entire day at the at the post office. It is absolutely. No dignity for those people. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's reminiscent of of the apartheid era. Uh, I would want to to get a comment, particularly from the from the deputy minister in this regard. GCIS and the Department of Communications. To what extent? Does GCIS and all the entities that report to GCIS disrupt the fact that GCIS is not part of communications but resides in the presidency? Thank you very much, Chair. In this question, in the last question, Chairman, I have a follow-up question. And and lastly, uh, DDG uh, Mashul, we have a very great name. Thank you. <laughs> hey, oh, thank you, thank you, Honorable uh, Nana. <laughs> Your namesake is a great name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, honorable Mama. <laughs> Honorable baby, 
Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson Baba. Uh, I've got two questions. Um, thanks for the presentation from the department and greetings um, to all of you colleagues. Um, the first one will be, I see in uh, on your vision and mission and, and the mandate statements uh, that the emphasis uh, is on transformation. And if it can, it's, you can explain a little bit um, about how the auctioning of the spectrum will transform uh, the telecommunication sector. And the second one, Chairperson, will be which targets or projects that you were unable to carry out as a result uh, of budget adjustments and also as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? And uh, have you included those projects in the current APP? Thank you so much, Chairperson. Those were my two questions. Thank you, Mama. Mama, what did you say? Thank you very much, Papa. And let me greet uh, my colleagues and Deputy Minister. Uh, firstly, let me welcome the presentation from the department. I have two questions, uh, Papa. My first one, can please uh, the department explain what you refer in your slide number six? as a social obligation for the new spectrum license holders. We all know that license holders will refer to be fined than complying with license uh, obligation. I need a clarity on that one. My second question is with the establishment of USASA, how are you going to ensure that South Africans, especially in underdeveloped areas, have access to ICT services that are affordable since this was a USASA mandate. Thank you very much, Papa. Thank you, Mama. Mama Modise, uh, thank you. Uh, now it's Mama Nguenya. Thanks very much, uh, Chair for gave me this opportunity. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, <clears throat> having studying and listening to the presentation as presented by the department, I would like to, to ask the following question. The department is the department is midway through the medium term, medium thought, the medium term strategic framework. I want to know how has the department contribute towards the achievement of priority two of government parties and namely economic transformation and job creation. The second question, Chair, I want you to check with the department 
uh, is is planning to allocate about 5.4 billion rent to the entities. Is this allocation a value of money? And if yes, how these entities assisting the department to achieve its development uh, objective? I thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Debrain. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, Chair, I've been covered to a large extent by um, Honorable Donna as well as uh, La But with regards to the allocations to the National Post Office, <coughs> I would just like the department uh, just to explain or try and motivate it. Um, the large funds that are allocated to them. Because as we as we have seen in the last couple of years, the performance of the National Post Office, it's obvious that there will be no return on investment whatsoever. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a, another cash cow. So if the department can just expand or just explain regarding the Post Office grant. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, DM, uh, you can lead the team uh, from my part just to add only one. The issue of uh, your transfers, the foreign government and international uh, organizations, uh, if that can be explained, what is it all about? Uh, otherwise, all the other questions have been covered. DM, uh, you can lead uh, uh, and Mr. Matroloko. Uh, in dealing with the questions. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, uh, I think I will ask the DTGs to respond to some of the questions. Uh, we've got uh, officials from the department, the DTGs and CFO. So I would request them to respond to the questions. Uh, there's a couple of them that I've also noted, which I'm also going to come, I'll come back to them to uh, to respond to those questions. Unfortunately, Chair, there are a couple of questions which I missed because of my connectivity problem. I missed some questions from Honorable Lagoskarne. Uh, and I think I missed some few questions from uh, Honorable Nana, but uh, I hope the officials from the department managed to pick up those questions. Uh, can we we start with the DTG Mashalogo? Well, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, DM, and uh, thanks uh, the members of uh, the committee for, for the questions. Uh, at the end, uh, yes, I did pick up a couple of the questions and I just want to respond to just one or two questions. And I think most of the questions, they also relate to the programs that are uh, either on SA Connect or the Spectrum with the OTDG Ngobeni will take through those ones. And the other ones will go to, to the CFO in terms of uh, the transfers as well as the uh, entity oversight. But I just wanted to just... Uh, uh, answer just one question, one or two questions uh, from Honorable Abu in terms of uh, the DDM. 
So uh, what we are currently doing in terms of the DDM, we do work with the other departments uh, in terms of understanding what is currently happening in the particular districts. And also what we do, uh, there's a program that we started as well in terms of that we work with the municipalities, where, which we call a district digital enablement, whereby we look at the core of the municipalities, what they currently do and what are their current requirements. And then from there on, we work with our entities as well as the private sector in terms of saying that this particular area doesn't have network connectivity. Then probably we're going to need to work with, uh, you know, the MNOs in terms of uh, providing that connectivity. And then some entities will find, some municipalities will find that it's probably more inward looking in terms of their broadband, in terms of that particular municipality, where we work with our entities, be it CETA and uh, broadband in FRACO, as well as Centec to assist them. So that is the work that we're currently doing in terms of uh, of the DDM uh, chair. But also I think uh, the area of the, the BDM also uh, we are trying to, to factor that one in, into the work that we're currently doing in terms of uh, the DDM. And I think uh, 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 DM, let me hand over to probably maybe let's start with in terms of the SA Connect as well as uh, the Spectrum issues and, and DDM. And then if we can uh, go from that one and then we go to, to the CFO as well in terms of the transfers and as well as any oversight. Thanks, Chair, uh, uh, and thanks to, to the members of the committee. And uh, thanks, uh, DDG, and good morning to Chair and honorable members. I'll address questions uh, on the cybersecurity raised by honorable Skalkin. Uh, with regard to the scope of our cybersecurity role. So our role emanates from the national uh, policy framework on cybersecurity with a focus on uh, awareness and also coordinating the private sector, civil society and citizens with regard to cybersecurity matters. So with regard to awareness, we make sure that people and citizens are aware about cybersecurity uh, threats as they, as they emerge. But we also coordinate uh, the, the private sector, firstly to build capacity, ensuring that the, the sector are also organized uh, to deal with cybersecurity threats. But we also share threat information uh, as a, and one of the requirement of the cybersecurity policy framework was for this department to establish what we call a cybersecurity hub, which then becomes a central point where cybersecurity threat information uh, is sent to, either with a, based on our collaboration with international partners, but also nationally with the different stakeholders. But we have uh, other different role players. Uh, CETA, for example, is responsible for the security of government information under the, as directed by the uh, state security agency, for the police in terms of cyber crime, and also the defense as well in terms of cyber defense. So in terms of the programs that we monitor, we, there, these are programs to ensure the awareness, but also to, to ensure that as cybersecurity threats Images because they emerge on a daily basis and they're different in, in, in terms of their complexity. We share that information to enable stakeholders to be able to prepare themselves 
and also to, to, to be able to, to attend to some of these threats, either to prevent them from happening. And some, some of the information that we share is technical information that we will use with the different cybersecurity response teams uh, that have been organized and, and established in the different sectors. For example, in the banking sector, we work uh, with the, the, the subric and also in the, Communication sector, we've got more break. It's in these these are organizations that put together sector players in the different sectors to be able to to deal with cybersecurity issues as they emerge. So so that's the scope of the work that we we, we perform. We don't deal with the national cybersecurity issues except that we we are part of the cybersecurity response committee under the GCPS cluster. We also contribute and coordinate with a the government as well in terms of sharing information in terms of particularly of threat information as they, as they emerge. Um, there was also a, a question from uh, Honorable Nana on the, on, the, on the essay connect with regard to the status of the, the, the phase one, particularly in the Oartambo region. So firstly, with regard to the phase one, we have concluded the phase one Program of SA Connect, which uh, covered 970 uh, government facilities which are connected. And we continue to maintain that connectivity and ensure that it continues to function and provide services to those different uh, facilities, which include schools, uh, clinics, and other types of government uh, facilities. In Water Tambo, I think out of the 970, there are about 178 government facilities which we do maintain connectivity uh, for those uh, facilities. However, because that, that's not all the facilities in the Tambo, as part of the revised approach for the SA Connect, uh, the phase two, which was ad adopted by cabinet in, in January, there will be an expansion of providing that connectivity through CETA, but also focusing on uh, community connectivity you, through our entities, uh, BBI and, and, and CENTEC. And that talks to the issue that you raised in terms of the beneficiation. With regard to the phase one, what we did, we, in, in most of the, <clears throat> of the provinces, we used the SMMEs during the, the rollout of the infrastructure. And that also contributed, of course, to the SMME development and, <clears throat> and uh, job creation. However, with the phase two, the intention is that through our entities, BBI and CENTEC, government will roll out the core and access network and, and bring it closer to these different communities throughout the country. And then it allows then the local ISPs, the SMMEs, you know, to leverage on that infrastructure to provide services to their local communities. Because one of the key challenges is having access to the network that carries the traffic or information from the local area back to the bigger uh, internet or a network society. So we are trying to address that challenge by rolling out a core network and also access network, and then allow the ISPs to leverage and provide services over that, yeah, that network. That's the intention that we've got. And that will ensure that we will also expand the provision of connectivity 
to remote and rural uh, areas. And through that, the local SMEs, of course, then will participate in the economy and they'll be able to participate in ensuring that they've got the, they, can, they are able to even expand their own network, those networks uh, to provide services and they'll be able then to do the maintenance and that can also, there is the businesses grow, can contribute to job creation as well. And then on the issue of the digital migration, uh, let me comment, Honorable uh, Nana, that the department seems to be in haste to meet the target. Um, if you recall, Honorable Nana, and the minister, I think around October announced that, before October announced that people must register, uh, those who have not registered to receive uh, support by government, indigenous uh, households. Uh, with regard to set-top boxes. So government has been working very hard to finalize uh, the installation of set-top boxes in those households that have registered. We've actually adopted an accelerated mode of uh, the distribution of the set-top boxes from the support warehouses to the household and also accelerating the installation rate. Uh, and, and that is, is, I think we've reached about 50% of the set-top boxes have been distributed to the 500,000 who we had registered by the end of October. So we are working very hard and also bearing in mind the deadline that has been set now with the deferment of the 31st of March date by the courts to 30 June. But also the courts are cognizant that even at the end of June as the switch off happens, there may be people who have reached that after the 31st of October, and government will strive to also conclude that by end of September. That's why you will see on the APP, the, the, the Digital Migration Program talks to, uh, ensuring that everyone then is taken along by the time the, the Digital Migration Program is concluded. Although the switch off me will happen by end of, of June. Uh, then was a question, Lisa, on the obligations uh, that have been imposed on licensees. So, and, and the comment that often the licensee would, would prefer to pay than meet the obligations. The department has been very proactive, working in collaboration with ITAS and, of course, the sector as well, in ensuring that those obligations are part of, part of the invitation to apply for. Uh, licensing of spectrum. So when the licensees who participated and eventually uh, obtained spectrum, they were aware of these obligations because they were included in the ITA. But what the department has also done is been proactively working with with, uh, with ICASA also on the contextualization of these uh, obligations and also engaging with the beneficiary departments, but the department entities included in the APP, they need to monitor the implementation of these obligations, not to wait af until after uh, the third year to check whether the obligations have been met. So there will be regular monitoring by the department of whether the, entity, the licenses are meeting these uh, obligations. And then we're working on developing a, a monitoring framework that will assist us. Uh, of course, we're working through 
through ICASA as, as a regulator in the sector. So that will also help us to pick up issue, issues if they are any as the licenses roll out and implement these, uh, these obligations. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anyone checking this uh, we can advise. Thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks, Sijinjo uh, DM, you can come through. No, no, I, I, I wanted to check who's, who's supposed to be next. Is it the CFO? Yes, it's the CFO and the entity oversight, uh, DM. Okay. Um, yes, um, good morning, uh, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, um, DM, um, and the colleagues. Um, Chair, there were two, about two questions. I will start with the um, a question um, where the, the Honorable Member asked why in the allocation uh, there is a decline um, in the 2023-24, and then there's also an increase in the outer year. Um, Chair, the decline that we see there, it's coming from the uh, compensation of employees. Um, the Normally how we do the forecast, um, there is a tool that is utilized by National Treasury that we populate as a department. And um, because um, in the previous years, um, uh, positions became vacant and um, the posts were not um, uh, filled because the um, the organizational structure uh, was not finalized. Um, then, yeah, can you hear me, Chair? Yes, right. yes, we can hear you. All right, thank you. Um, yeah, so so because of those, so the posts that have been uh, that have been filled up to so far. Uh, they are mainly on a, on a, on a um, contract basis. So, um, however, once the organizational structure, because we're anticipating that it will be finalized uh, during the course of this financial year, then um, if there is a shortfall or um, um, if there is a shortfall, then we will engage um, National Treasury in terms of the um, uh, the, the the funds allocation, but um, you know, looking previously in terms of benchmarking, uh, the department has been was allocated uh, more or less around the three hundred million, and we were able to um, uh, utilize um, uh, those funds um, fully. Um, chair, then um, chair, I'll come to the question on the transfer. Transfer to entities on the 5.4 um, billion over the MTF. Um, yeah, Chair, uh, in the main, these um, eh, 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 allocations, uh, they are appropriated by National Treasury to the entities and mainly looking at um, uh, benchmarking from the previous years. Um, and in the main, we see that um, ICASA and SAPO, they are getting the bulk of the money. And in the main, uh, those funds, they are for uh, their own operations. 
And um, although we know that um, SAPO is still engaging in national treasury in terms of their uh, financial crisis, um, um, Chair, um, so uh, 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 the, the, in the main, it's that. And then in terms of the uh, monitoring on, on the utilization of these funds, um, Chair, before we, we could effect any uh, transfer uh, to the entity, there are quarterly reports that we normally request from the uh, the entities and the SOC oversight branch. Therefore, they will peruse those uh, uh, documents and check whether the funds they have been used uh, in a manner that uh, it was allocated, and then uh, that's when um, uh, finance will can effect um, the payment for. Um, the next quarter in terms of the transfer. So, um, uh, yeah, Chair, I, I think um, then SOE oversight, they can also maybe expand uh, in terms of them uh, uh, further monitoring that they do um, and also how um, these assist the department in terms of the service delivery. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh... Um. Chair, can I come in? I'm from Entity Oversight. Um, it's Renee. I'm from the Entity Oversight. I just wanted to touch on um, some of the responses that the CFO has referred them. Um, in term, um, I'll first start with Zappo. There was a question that was asked about uh, uh, the, what the money is intended for. Uh, this is not a bailout. Um, the funds that are allocated to SAPO currently has to do more with the universal service obligation that SAPO has. In terms of the Postal Services Act and the SAPO Act, SAPO has a, new, a universal mandate to have um, operations across uh, the country, irrespective, especially even in rural areas and all of that. So within the... The, the, the branches that SAPO has, there are those um, branches that fall within what you call the universal service uh, mandate, which have been identified. Basically, those um, offices will never be profitable at all. Um, the, the main purpose is to make sure that the, 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 the people do get, get services irrespective. So on that basis, uh, then SAPO would be subsidized just to make sure that the offices are operational. So it's not um, uh, to actually fund SAPO as a whole. Uh, the funds are actually very limited in terms of what has been allocated. Um, it, hence, it's just a subsidy to mix SAPO halfway. And there was a question about the SRD payments. On the SRD payments, um, yes, there have been challenges in terms of uh, SAPO rendering the services. If we would recall, um, SAPO started rolling out the SRD payment in uh, May 2020. And then how the whole program started, it, 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 it started as, as, as a disaster relief fund where initially it was that SAPO were to um, administer the fund on a three-month basis. So on that basis, it would not have been possible for SAPO to enter into any long-term contracts and all of that, uh, whatever that is required in terms of managing the funds. But it was that as it was introduced, then SAPO had to hit the ground running in terms of rendering this 
So obviously the the need is very more in terms of the dynamics where there are a lot of people that are needy uh, requiring the fund. So what then happens in the process of support administering um, the funds, there were various challenges that were experienced. Uh, the long queues um, is one of those where there they, 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 they were long queues in, 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 in some of the post offices. So what the post office has done also working with SAPO in terms of addressing some of those challenges, um, because there were a number of challenges that were identified, was to find ways as to how uh, they can mitigate against some of the challenges. So one of the things that were introduced was to say, how can they effectively manage the queues? where they even identified, um, like to say, maybe instead of people just going to the post offices to go and, and get the grants, there need to be a system where people get paid uh, based on the ID numbers, where uh, people with um, certain numbers were given uh, certain dates to say you come on the states. But because of the need, um, uh, it, it the, 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 some of the people, even though, it is not. Uh, it's not their day of being paid. People will still flock to the uh, post offices, which actually talks to the economic conditions that we are dealing with. And then, when the cash is packaged, obviously it will be packaged based on whatever the need of the particular post office would have been. So, in instances where there have been um, a lot of people coming uh, for cash, and then cash would become uh, depleted, for example. So the post office has been working with SASA just to make sure that they can have some checking of some sort. And also the, this introduction of the SMSs was one of the things that were identified. So continuously there is work that SAPO would be working with, even with the CIT companies to, um, to, to, to try and manage um, uh, this. And then... What would happen, for example, in terms of the overcrowding is that the beneficiary, the, the, the system will trigger, will trigger an ID number like the last three digits of the people that need to go. And then only when the SMS is received and the person is supposed to go there. But like I indicated, because of the needs, uh, it is a, um, uh, people find it difficult to, to, to wait for, 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 for that. So uh, in terms of um, that there was another question that related to Usasa, where the question was, if, he's, if, if Usasa is uh, to be dissolved, how would um, we still make sure that people in the underdeveloped areas uh, have affordable um, services? So the dissolution of um, Usasa is not uh, to dissolve the mandate. Um, if we would recall, USASA was established back in 2005 uh, in terms of the ECA Act. And then there's been other developments. So the scope was basically based uh, on, on the mandate, which uh, would have been prescribed uh, um, by the ECA. And then in 2016, the white paper, the ICT white paper, identified some gaps in terms of the funds. And then it recommended ways uh, by which they can, they can be improved. So the dissolution is not to do away with the mandate, but is to say, how can we 
uh, restructure, uh, rationalize, and find efficient uh, enhancement within the, the, the our SOEs in terms of making sure that the funds are optimally utilized and also deal with some of the limitations from what the scope was in the, in, in the ECA and then aligning it with the, with the National Integrated ICT White Paper. If there's anything, the, uh, the, 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 the realignment or the restructuring um, of, the, of, of, of the, the institutional framework under which the funds need to be managed is basically uh, to make sure that it's beneficial still to the people that are needy, but also to make sure that how we, um, the, the, the scope, the scope is, is, is broadened, that is not narrowed uh, to, to the original um, mandate as, as, as in the, as in the ECA. So if there's anything, the, the people are still protected. It's just to say, how um, uh, do we find a better institutional framework to administer the funds and also taking into account the current uh, landscape that we are in? For example, we're talking about digital services and all of those things. So that is not just traditionally to what SASA was doing. Uh, thanks. Uh, I think those were the three. And then there was also a question asked about how do we monitor the, 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 the SOEs? In terms of the monitoring of the SOEs, obviously the SOEs are developed you know, to, to, to render the service as prescribed by different uh, mandates that they are operating under. So we have different tools that we work on. One of the things that, uh, one, one of the tools we have uh, obviously, most of the most of these entities would have, for example, the governance structures that the department would put in place, like the establishment of the boards and and all of those. And then one of the things that we do is that they are also required to develop your strategic corporate plans, which also need to align to broader priorities. And then we would then have to monitor them in terms of how they are implementing the corporate plans. And then over and above that, we are aware that the department is um, not at the entities on a day-to-day -day basis, but we've got the board and then we've got the executives. So what we would have is the shareholder compact, which is kind of like an agreement, a monitoring tool in terms of what um, the entity is committing and what are the agreement with the shareholder so that that help in terms of managing the relationship. And we also have uh, where they are, um, where we monitor the performance in terms of the quarterly uh, performance reports that they would also submit to us. And then where we, we would monitor them against the, uh, the commitments made in the corporate plan. And um, it, it just a general, general oversight of the entities. Even the funding that the CFO was uh, referring to, obviously, um, uh, if there has to be any allocation of funding, it would have to be have its intended purpose. And then on that basis, uh, that's the framework that the CFO was talking about, that the, the allocation will be done. Like in the case of SACO, they are asked um, that the fund is purely for, for the universal And then even with the other entities uh, in the presentation, it does highlight what, that, what, the, what, the, what the fund is though. It's not a blanket uh, funding. In the case where there are broader challenges, for example, if we look at the post office currently, there are um, uh, major challenges in terms of the entities' um, um, uh, financial challenges that they are currently experiencing and all of that. 
So that is being dealt uh, with uh, broadly with SAPO would develop a, a, a turnaround plan. Currently, we have um, what we call the post office of tomorrow, which SAPO has developed. And the intention there is to looking at the broader challenges of SAPO to say, how can SAPO um, uh, ally, realign itself in terms of making sure that it is sustainable in the medium uh, to long term? and then identifying uh, priorities where uh, the focus areas need to be, and also mindful of the broader mandate that uh, SAPO has, and also the, the, the broad reach that they have. So that is what um, is intended to make sure that if there's any intervention as is based on the plan, and uh, um, on the basis of that plan, that's, when, um, that's what the CFO was referring to, that we are engaging the National Treasury to say that now that we have a plan, um, how do we make sure that uh, we, we support the entity in terms of making sure that the plan is funded? Thank you. Uh, I hope I've covered um, all the questions. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, maybe, Chair, let's say. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anyone in the department who wants to respond to some of the questions which have not been responded to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you go again? Yes. There was a question by the chair. I think the last question on the foreign government transfers and what does it mean? If I can attempt, you know, and in particular because of our, the work that the department does, it, it's it's basically cross cross borders, and it requires collaboration across uh, various countries, whether it's the our close neighbors or in the region and internationally. And as a result, the department is a member of various international bodies, you know, including the International Telecommunications Union, which coordinates uh, communication issues uh, across the world. And some of the issues that we deal with, with the ITU, the International Telecommunications include issues of just to ensure that there is a compatibility in terms of communication between the different communication systems that are developed across the world and to ensure economies of scale. The issues of spectrum because they cross borders and how do you manage interference that's generated from uh, communications. So there are frameworks that are developed internationally and uh, almost all the many countries in the, in the world are members of these, uh, these bodies which then facilitate either the, uh, the review of new technologies, particularly those that require standardization and also that require access to spectrum to ensure that uh, eventually these systems are able to communicate with each other. So the department contributes uh, membership fees to this. And recently we became a member of what's called FAST, that's the Forum of Incident Response Teams. That's part of our cybersecurity role, which is one of the key institutions uh, that enables sharing of 
cybersecurity threat information across the globe uh, so that we're able to mitigate some of this before they even hit our shores and also I learn from other countries out there dealing with some of this. So we pay memberships to that, and I think that's what that transfer to French government also uh, talks to. There was also an issue around the, the issue of spectrum licensing and its contribution to, to, to transformation, and particularly the, the, the auction. Of course, the auction in, in the main, you know, the, those benefit are those who have access to, 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 to funding. And initially the department was looking at the issue of the wireless open access, but looking at the challenges and the department now is reviewing that, that approach, looking at what's the best way to enable participation by small operators in the, in the sector, because the sector is capital intensive in terms of one is required to invest a lot of infrastructure before they can even make the first call. So in, in ensuring sustainability, so and the department is working on the revised policy on, on, for spectrum, uh, which also coupled with the 5G policy direction to look at how we can address some of these transformation requirements as spectrum is licensed. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, DGG Corbeni. Um, maybe let me just uh, attempt to uh, to respond to the questions which remain unanswered. Uh, I think on the first point, <clears throat> I think that's where I would like to uh, to start. The, the point that has been raised by Honorable Nana, and I think it's a concern from his part that our presentation took only 15 minutes and it was very thin on detail. Uh, you know, there is always a, a predicament when we prepare. Sometimes we give too much detail, and uh, <clears throat> mostly you members would uh, indicate that uh, the issues must be summarized. Uh, you give too few detail, you summarize, and uh, members would want more detail. I think that is a situation that we sometimes get confronted with. Uh, this presentation is the same that was presented uh, uh, yesterday uh, at the Portfolio Committee on Communications. There were other presentations as well of the entities and so forth. So <clears throat> it's the same. We, we have not really changed anything because uh, the intention is just to summarize the issues. The detailed plan has been tabled, and I think it has been made available to the members. So in as much as we might have misunderstood the expectation, Honorable Nana, we, we apologize. I think next time we will give you all the details which are mostly contained in the actual plan. Um, I think some of the questions of Honorable Labus Gartner has been has responded to, except uh, the question about SABO, which uh, has also been raised by um, Honorable Debray. 
Maybe just to put matters into proper context with regard to SAPU. Uh, so the the data that is emerging from from the entity suggests that the entity started to experience decline as a late as 2015. In fact, since 2016, the entity has been on a downwards, downward slope throughout uh, because of the changes, technological changes that are taking place in the, in the market in which Uh, so the letter post was constituting the bulk of its uh, of its uh, market, and over time, when technology gets to be introduced, uh, the post office was not able to adapt as quickly as they as the technology interrupted its operation. <clears throat> So that is one of the factors which has led to where we are now. But there were many other factors. I think uh, colleagues might remember the strike, the triple strike in the post office. Uh, and as a result of that strike, uh, the personnel budget of the, of the entity had to be increased where the majority of those people who were used to be employed uh, by the labor brokers then had to be absorbed by the post office. Um, <clears throat> to an extent that if you look at the financials of the post office currently, the bulk of the expenditure goes to salaries. It is over 60% that uh, uh, gets to be allocated to salaries, uh, which is an unattainable situation. So there are a couple of uh, factors which has, has been impacting on the viability of the post office. Uh, there was a, a bailout, I think, in 2019. Uh, but we have, just, we have since discovered that uh, that bailout was not utilized for the purpose for which it was intended. Um, so as a result, it had very little impact in turning around the entity up to where we are now. Where we are, the reality of the situation is that the post office is uh, experiencing very serious liquidity challenges. And so we have been in discussions with the National Treasury uh, to try and see how that intervention can intervention can come from national treasury uh, to bring more resources in order to capitalize the post office. But the situation as it is now is quite dire. The post office requires financial injection, without which uh, its going concern status becomes into question. So we don't think uh, it will operate without any form of intervention. The financials are there. We can share with the committee about the situation where the post office finds itself. 
So we are engaging in a conversation with Treasury to, to see if Treasury can carry come and assist in the same manner that it did with the SABC about two, three years ago. We are also engaged in similar discussion. So the money that, uh, that, that appears there, about 500 million, is not intended for, for this, which I'm explaining that we are, we are talking to Treasury to come and bail out the entity. Because I can tell you without any bailout, uh, we're going to experience serious problems. The future of about 15,000 employees is on the line. The post office is just too important for us to, to let it collapse. So we're doing everything in our power to make sure that we salvage this important entity. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, Rene has already explained that the over 500 million that is appearing on the budget is for the universal service obligations. So there are certain obligations that are imposed on the post office by legislation to render services in areas where it's, it's not profitable. Uh, so the intention is that these services are important basic services that are rendered to our community, mostly in the far rural areas. And there is no income that is derived from that. And so this amount, this allocation uh, compensate for, for those obligations. Uh, but the post office argues that it is not sufficient to this amount that has been allocated. So when they did the calculation of uh, how much it costs to carry these uh, universal service obligations, it's far more than what is allocated by Treasury. So that, that is just to clarify that uh, that amount does not. <clears throat> and the question whether do we derive any value? Uh, is there any return on investment on the money? Yes, there is a uh, honorable debris. Already explained uh, this obligation, the universal services obligations, that this money goes towards this uh, servicing these obligations. And you know that the, the post office has got a, quite an expansive footprint. Almost in every area you find the post office, although some of them are now closing because it is finding itself in a very difficult situation. But yeah, it does have that uh, footprint, which uh, can be used for other services of government. Uh, so those are the discussions. And now Rene has explained that we have requested the post office to develop a turnaround plan, which they have done. They have submitted to us. Uh, it has been approved by the minister. It has been shared with cabinet as well. And so for now, the preoccupation is to implement that turnaround strategy. It talks to a number of issues which I don't want to bore the committee unless if you do request that we must come and brief you about the details of the strategy. But we are confident that uh, this turnaround plan will work. If we do get the necessary capital injection, we can be able to salvage uh, the South African post office. 
let me move to the next question. Uh, Honorable Nana, you're asking a question about SA Connect, and I think you're making specific reference to OR Tambo. <clears throat> I think DDG and Gobeni attempted to respond to that. But I suspect that the, the project that you are referring to might be a project that has been implemented by USASA. It's a broadband rollout. USASA has identified two areas. One is in the Northern Cape, and the other area is uh, in the Eastern Cape in the region of uh, Oar Tambo. So those projects are still continuing. <clears throat> now, the different model of uh, rolling out uh, the SA Connect. Uh, maybe before I get to the model, I think what has happened with the SA Connect, uh, just to portray the point that was made by DTG Gobin. Uh, the, there were two phases which were anticipated of the SA Connect. So the first phase was the uh, funded by the fiscals, and uh, it involved the connection of those uh, households that uh, Dijin Kobeli was talking about. But this was not just the first phase, it was almost like a pilot, because the need to roll out broadband in the country is quite huge, and it requires a lot of resources. So those public facilities were identified, and the CETA, uh, BBI, uh, I don't know to some limited extent, Centec as well, identified as SOEs which were supposed to drive this process, for which they did they manage to implement to roll out the connectivity, and that connectivity, we are still maintaining that connectivity to schools, to other public facilities. Now, the second phase, Treasury requested that there must be a feasibility study to be conducted. And so that feasibility study was conducted. However, when they presented the report, the cost of the feasibility study was quite high. And so the minister made a different determination uh, that uh, the state may not be able to um, to afford the cost as presented by the feasibility study. And therefore that necessitated a review of the phase two of the SA Connect, which was done, submitted to cabinet, cabinet has approved. The current discussions with Treasury is to, um, to come up with the financials and do the necessary submissions so that the allocation can be made for the phase two. But there is allocation that has been made. I think if you go to the financials, you'll see that for this financial year, I think it's just over 200 million. And there is other allocation in the outer years. So we are implementing the SC Connect phase two. Although for now, there's still an issue about the the full availability of the funding that is required. That discussion is taking place with National Treasury. 
So what is happening as a result of the disestablishment of USASA? All the projects that USASA was funding, which this brought and rolled out in the, in the Northern Cape and in Boatambo, has now that responsibility has now been given to BBI. So BBI is working on that. So that project is not going to be abandoned. BBI will continue that project uh, going forward. I hope I, I've been able to clarify even further on the SA Connect. Uh, there is a steering committee that is chaired by the minister that is meeting bi-weekly to look at the implementation of this program. And then there was also a question raised about uh, broadcasting digital migration. Uh, which I think uh, TDG Ngoveni tried to respond to it. But I just want to make one point. Um, and the point is that we are being accused of uh, fast-tracking this process of migrating the country from analog to digital, uh, yeah, from analog to digital. We are being accused that we are rushing this process. And our response has always been very simple. South Africa was supposed to migrate in 2015. That was the deadline that was agreed to with the ITU. And at one particular point, the country was making very good progress. And for a whole host of other reasons, um, things started to slow down. Uh, up to where we are now. Uh, the other countries have migrated. And we always make a point that some of the countries that have migrated have got lesser resources than ourselves. But they did manage to migrate. There is no analog distribution. The signal distribution in those countries is only digital. And we have been left behind. And so that's why the president last year in the State of the Nation address uh, pronounced the, the deadline of March this year. That by March 2022, all the households will have migrated from analog to digital. And so we've been working on that deadline. Of course, there was litigation by e-media uh, they went to court, and the court has pronounced largely in our favor. Um, and what the court has done is to simply revise our targets from March uh, to June. But largely, the court has agreed with us that this is a national priority project. We have to migrate. Already there is about five provinces that have completely switched off analog distribution in those provinces. We are left with about four. And we are working around the clock to make sure that we do we do uh, meet the deadline. But this uh, program has always been underpinned by the need to make sure that uh, no one must be left behind. And this is the message that we've always been communicating, that if you own a TV set, that still receive uh, analog signal distribution. Uh, you must uh, approach the post office 
apply and if you do qualify you will be allocated with a set of box Centec will come and install at your place at no cost and then you'll be receiving television you'll be receiving your digital uh, television so that's the message that we have been communicating but unfortunately the response has not been uh, that overwhelming sometimes uh, our people wait until the signal is lost and then they go and apply and they are accommodated at all the post offices so no one is going to be left behind honorable Nana. we can guarantee you that uh, those who have already applied they've been connected and those who are applying they will be on a queue for uh, for uh, to be allocated a set of boxes. I think we've managed to um, respond to most of the question. Uh, the disestablishment of USASA, uh, we can assure Honorable Mudisa that uh, the functions, the mandates that this entity has been performing will continue to be performed. The idea is that uh, as we disestablish the employees who come back to the department, the department will continue with the mandate of providing the service that has been provided by USAS. I think on the social obligations, uh, DDG Ngobin has responded to that. But maybe just to add to say the idea uh, for which now the details have been worked on is that uh, uh, those who received allocation of spectrum through this auctioning process, uh, the licenses as we call them, uh, they will be given certain obligation to connect the public facilities. Uh, and the numbers have been shared with them. They are quite comfortable with that. So as part of SA Connect Phase 2, uh, this telcos will then be responsible to connect uh, most of those public areas, the police stations, the schools. We are currently in the process of getting the final list from the Department of Education of all the schools that has to be connected uh, on the Phase 2 through the social obligations. But I think generally some of the questions have been uh, uh, have been have been responded to chair. My apologies, I took a bit of time because I thought uh, let's just share with you the details of uh, the issues we are dealing with that uh, you've, uh, you've raised questions around. Uh, I think this therefore concludes our our responses, uh, honourable chair, and over to you. Uh, I'm done, Chair. Or is there a problem with my connectivity? No, no, he he's from Pumalanga. Okay. So the, the, the chairman might 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 be having connectivity issues. 
All right. On on, on our side, so okay. we are done. Another... <clears throat> are you still continuing, DM? <clears throat> no, no, uh, no. I was saying on our side, the honourable Moody, so we are done. Okay. Uh, it's okay. now back over. Back to you. No, thank you very much. While we are still waiting for the chair, <clears throat> members, anyone who would like to do follow-up question? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, Honorable Labuskakni and Honorable Nana. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, thank you very much for the, the, the answers. Uh, I would like... Uh, I uh, would like to be uh, to to request the present a presentation to the select committee on the turnaround strategy, and then I just want to make a comment or in this comment raise some some issues or questions on that. I totally do understand that the post office uh, is a very important and integral part of the South African history, specifically to to provide in the in the in the needs of rural areas and and very far off communities for certain services and that the legislative that the act is is regulating that. Uh, but it's also apparent that uh, you know uh, there are a lot of problems. Most of them are financial problems in 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 how this first the system is being uh, you know running and our struggling at the moment. Now, this is not the only, only uh, state-owned enterprise uh, that is struggling at the moment in South Africa. And each of them has different reasons. And many of that has to do with the fact that sometimes we don't keep up with the changes in our, con uh, in our communities. Now, um, uh, two things that I want to say is, um, I would like to know you know, instead of a turnaround strategy, has this department ever thought about a total change of thinking out of the box of saying, yes, in, to, 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 to make sure to ensure that certain services are rendered to the rural areas? And specifically, uh, it's obvious that in a lot of these rural areas, a lot of our vulnerable people who are receiving grants through the system uh, uh, um, are going to, uh, you know, are at the end of receiving um, not so good services, not, uh, yeah. Um, so in the end, people working for the post office are frustrated and unsure of their future, and they have to deal with the most vulnerable people who have to sit in queues and waiting, and it's actually most of the times, uh, not the fault of any of these two people, two groups. So is there, a, a, rather than a turnaround strategy, all the turnaround strategies that I've seen in my life is, is, is first of all, is to get more money out of national treasury. So that means to get more money out of the equitable share uh, and of the, of the taxes that's been paid by taxpayers. Uh, that's not if it can't go on like that. So my request would be: Does the department have an idea of looking at a total new model 
of post office services. And say, for instance, just, just an idea, is that in certain areas we need this amount of, and this kind of post offices, because this kind of services needs to be, re be rendered and can only be rendered by the post office. And or we need this kind of post office in rural areas where certain things can be combined because we have a building, but we can combine certain services. And in certain urban areas, we don't need post offices at all uh, uh, because A, B, C, and D. Uh, and the buildings can be reutilized for this and look into a total new way of making sure that we don't lose the, the infrastructure of post offices and also make sure that the services that's supposed to be rendered by post offices in more rural areas are still being done there. Because, you know, in your department, it's it's amazing that we st struggle with this because you, you're also the department for digital, um, you know, uh, services and preparing for the fifth industrial relation, uh, 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 industrial uh, um, revolution. And we're still struggling to get post offices running. That's the one thing, Chair. And the second thing is, yes, I've listened and I accept the feedback from the monitoring of SOEs. But somewhere in the system, something is wrong. Either on the criteria that SOEs has to monitor, has to give feedback. Uh, and, and I understand that the, the, the people monitoring that is not, are not the culprits. Either these uh, uh, entities are lying in those reports because of, uh, uh, in the eight years that I am in the NCOP, uh, this is the same story that every monitoring body is telling. And they say there are these reports and the people have to give us the information and based on the information, we give them the money. Now, this is an ongoing thing every year. But every year, the same entities are more and more and more into trouble. So maybe the monitoring uh, departments or the people responsible for monitoring have to also have a workshop and sit down with National Treasury and look at the criteria that you set to make sure that the next batch of money is dispensed to the same system who are at that stage most of the time a broken system because you have the track record of uh, asking more and more money every year or not being able to spend that. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh, thanks, uh, Memo Dice, for assisting uh, this thing of uh, load shedding. Uh, Honorable Nana, you said something about uh, a follow-up uh, uh, after they've responded. Uh, I can allow you on that one question. Thanks, Chairman. Uh, I'm not sure if, if, if I missed it, but uh, I, I made a comment about the situation in our post offices and the manner in which... They've, they've covered that one. Yeah, I may have missed it. My, my connectivity is also a problem. I'm sorry. And okay, no, they've covered that one. The, the follow-up was on GCIS being located in the presidency. How does, how does that 
disrupt uh, the operations of of the Department of Communications. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, uh, DM. Uh, before you can uh, comment, uh, there are issues that uh, uh, we feel. Uh, I feel that. Uh, uh, especially those that have been uh, touched by Honorable Labuska. At some stage, we're going to have ample time to engage the uh, relevant uh, entity as a shareholder, but uh, it doesn't take away a comment that you might have as you are the relevant shareholder. But uh, you, do, you can do that being mindful that at some stage, we're going to have that uh, opportunity uh, to address some of the critical issues that has been raised by Honorable Labu Skakne. Uh, I'll allow uh, you, DM, and your team to deal with a, a few follow-up questions. Chairperson? Yes? Member Arnold, sir. Arnold? Um, there was no response in terms of uh, the explanation about the priorities. Uh, that is now was 41, 35, and now 36. I just want to check, is this going to be a norm uh, in terms of the priorities? Uh, thanks. Thank you. DM? Okay. Uh, thank you, Chair. Maybe, maybe let's... Uh, you arrived on a couple of our apologies. I think we missed that one. Uh, on the reduction of priorities. Um, <clears throat> from the department, is there anyone who can respond to this one? Um, uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson and, and, and uh, DM. And the committee members. Um, I'm checking on the one on the one of the targets moving in terms of the numbers. I will allow uh, Mr. Maleka or Mr. Libago to talk to that. But I will talk to the issue of um, the location of GCIS. Uh, initially, uh, GCIS was um, there was this department. We had tele uh, telecommunications and postal services. And then we had Department of Communications, which was separate. And GCIS was a part of that and a postal was different. But when the DPSA uh, through the presidency did the macro organization of the structure, uh, they then separated to say, because GCIS is just uh, responsible for communicating government programs and is responsible for all department in terms of communication. They said the strategic location of that should be uh, at the presidency. And we were then left separate with your brand SA and others. They all then belong to the presidency. It does not necessarily disrupt us because in our department, we specifically uh, focus on the issues of your digital technologies and communication. But they, we also use GCIS in terms of communication, in terms of our, our programs, because that's how it came out with that particular committee that uh, dealt with it. But it was um, dealt with by DPSA or DPME and when they were dealing with the macro organization of, the, of, of government to say, this is how departments are going to be structured. Uh, in terms of the, um, there was also a question uh, uh, um, 
of is, is it realistic to implement all these targets of ours? I'm sorry if that was touched on, but also to emphasize that most of the targets that are here, uh, some of them um, do not necessarily need um, finances for them to be implemented. And, and, and we also through SPM, which is our strategic planning uh, unit, they went through all the branches to make sure that all the targets that are put in there are targets that are going to be met. So the principle has always been that there is no target that you're going to put in the APP if the, the resources to service that particular target are not there. So that has been taken care of. May I then uh, request uh, Mr. Um, Malika or Mr. Libago to touch on the issue of the number of targets moving from 46 to 35. And thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, David. Okay. Thank you, Chairperson, and good morning, uh, honorable members. I think, in terms of the uh, targets, uh, you know, they are not, uh, you know, static. You know, they change. You know, depending on the uh, changes, for example, in the medium-term strategic framework that has been revised from the DPME. And uh, the other thing is that, you know, when we are developing this, we look at the MTSF documents that has been revised. We also uh, touch base with the Department of Planning, Monitoring and uh, Evaluation and National Treasury so that, you know, we are covered in terms of the priorities that we are supposed to do in line with the um, current um, mandate that we are, uh, you know, uh, currently undertaking. The other thing is that, you know, once we uh, engaged, you know, with all relevant stakeholders, um, that is where we streamline the, the APP targets. And then you find that, you know, uh, on the APP, there will be some uh, duplicates that we have to do uh, or to undertake them on the business plan. So this document, you find that, you know, um, we might be having 36, and then some of them are in the business plan that, that the department is also uh, undertaking. But um, most of the time, you find there were duplicate uh, kind of APP that has to be streamlined and changed and to be done, you know, at uh, another le lower level, you know, which is a business plan, but not saying we, they are not important. They are very important, but, you know, we couldn't uh, kind of do them at the same time. But in, in the main, I just want to uh, indicate, emphasize that, you know, whenever these targets are being, um, uh, you know, prioritized, we look at the mandate one, the budget, the MTSF, the Department Planning, Monitor Evaluation, the uh, AG as well. We also touch base with them and the Treasury and see that the, these targets are having um, a huge impact. That is what the DM always emphasizes and the minister to say, let's look at the targets that are having huge impact, but not undermining the other work that we are also doing, that we will also do at the business plan level. So I, I will post the chairperson and Stevens can also add. Thanks. Uh, thanks, chairperson. I think maybe to be precise and just to add on what Mr. Libago had said, uh, in the previous financial year, we when we amended the, the APP, we previously had, uh, you know, three um, targets which were sitting under the, 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 the our program uh, five, which was dealing with the issues of the broadband. One was the, the sourcing of the phase two funding, and the other one was for funding for household connectivity program. And the, the third one was uh, regarding the, the, the project management office for the SA Connect uh, phase two to be established. 
So what happened when we amended the 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 the, the APP was uh, basically we we clapped them into one target, which was dealing with the SA Connect model. So <clears throat> uh, because everything that it will be done under the three target will will be will be will be happening under the the SA Connect model, and there was also a uh, uh, two targets that we had uh, on the the BDM. The one was the issue of the subsidized digital television installation, um, and, and uh, which was uh, done in terms of the, the the four provinces that we mentioned previously, and the the, the distribution of the uh, you know the the, the three point two million vouchers. Uh, so what happened when we revised? Then we also we just came only with one target, which uh, was focusing on the switch off of SABC analog television transmitters uh, across all the, the, the provinces. So that, uh, because if you look at the way uh, from those five targets only, we, we reduced to two. So I think that was one of the reasons we we, 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 we are sitting at the, at the 36. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Maybe let me just deal quickly with the, the other questions, follow-up questions. Um, uh, Honorable Labus Brachner, we are, we, we are ready and quite willing uh, to share the details of the strategy of the post office. We have done that with the portfolio committee. Uh, unfortunately, because of some of the information which is quite sensitive, uh, we will request that uh, it be handled in a particular way so that we can protect um, that information. Uh, but we are willing to come uh, and present uh, the turnaround strategy uh, of, of SAPO, uh, the SAPO of tomorrow. Uh, but I also hear you when you say most of the turnaround strategies are just there to get money from treasury, they are not really turnaround strategy. Uh, I would, I would, uh, I would uh, say that, Chair, I think it's a, it's a bit unfair to criticize a, a document that we have not seen. Uh, to generalize and to say, no, that document is the same as the other document, but we have not received the presentation of that document. I think let's say honorable member wait and receive the details of the strategy. And then uh, the member can then come to determination whether uh, there's nothing uh, substantive about that strategy is the same as the other ones. But to make a general comment like that, I think it's, a, it's, 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 it's not fair. Uh, and I think it's also <clears throat> very, very unscientific because you must base your arguments on the facts and on the evidence. So when you make a general statement, it does not uh, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help. Really. So we'll say that let's come and do a presentation. And if there is a critique of the document, I think let's engage with the criticism by then. 
so that is what I will say. But I also hear the honorable member uh, also presenting uh, a critique on the SOPs uh, that they are failing. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I will say, Chair, our approach to um, the question of uh, uh, the state-owned enterprises or the public companies that are owned by the state that are performing public functions, some of them both public and private functions. For us, it's a question of uh, how we conceptualize uh, the developmental state, because the developmental state, in our view, must have features, must have an ability to also play in the areas where there is market failures. Sometimes it's not even about market failures, but there is a deliberate intention to render services through companies that are publicly owned. And so that is uh, our ideological conception of uh, of uh, this uh, the concept of a developmental state. So the SOEs will remain part of the features of of uh, our approach to rolling out services, but uh, it must also understand that uh, there must be efficiencies. There must be professionalism. There must be value for money. They must be run properly and accordingly. And uh, this is the work that uh, the Department of Public uh, DPE is busy working, in, working on in terms of rationalizing some of the SOEs and so forth. Uh, but uh, the SOEs, some of them will remain as part of government. Uh, and I think, uh, for instance, we don't subscribe to a leaner and thinner government uh, as opposed to others who may have a different view. But but I guess that those are the debates for, for another day, Chair. Uh, there was an issue which we did not respond to uh, on... <clears throat> On the 5.4 billion, which is about 70% allocation to the entities. I think we're making a point earlier on that 70% uh, of the allocation of the of the department goes to the entities. <laughs> and uh, this is in line with the different mandates of the entities, chain. Because if you look at uh, how the department is structured, uh, we utilize the agencies to implement the mandate of the department. Oh, okay. I got, uh, I got to be a bit disrupted here. Electricity has just come back, but let me proceed. So if you look at the, the structure, we more deal with policy. Uh, as a department, and we've got entities that are implementing on our behalf. 
And that's why you see the allocation is like that, where you have almost about 70% of uh, the allocation that goes to the different entities. Of course, according to their mandate, ICASA is a regulator, it has to continue to exist. The SABC is a public broadcaster, it must continue to exist and perform that mandate. Uh, and all other entities, you've got CETA, you've got NEMISA, you've got uh, CENTEC, and all of the other entities that are providing different mandates. And they largely receive their funding from the state. So thank you very much, uh, Chair. I think that. Thank you, DM. Uh, let me take this opportunity to allow you, DM, to do your parting shots. <clears throat> okay, Chair. I think uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't say much. I guess uh, I see this contestation around some of the issues. I guess uh, we may not agree because uh, we are coming from different ideological positions. So we may not agree with some of the members about the questions they are raising, but I guess uh, this platform of parliament provides that opportunity for different ideas to be expressed. And so we welcome that. Uh, but Chair, thank you very much for having us. Uh, that was the annual performance plan that we had prepared. Once more, we didn't get the expectation that uh, you wanted much more details than what we provided, but the details are available in the actual document chain. We are available at any time to engage with this uh, uh, select committee of, uh, of parliament. Um, and we welcome the suggestions, uh, some of the constructive suggestions that came. We welcome them, we will incorporate them, it's part of our work. Let's check uh, for that opportunity. Thank you, DM Mapulane, and uh, the team you brought to do the presentation today. Uh, let me also, uh, once again, uh, thank you and your team and uh, indicated that, of course, as members have raised, sometimes uh, in the style, I personally prefer a shorter one so that we enjoy the engagement like the one of today. And uh, well, others will have a different view, but when, when a presentation is short, to me, it's giving us as members of parliament ample time to be able to engage as we've done today. And I find that to be of an advantage to us as members, unlike where you will have a presentation until uh, it's uh, uh, time up and then we don't have ample time and once again create problems. But uh, once again, uh, of course, we'll have some other engagements. Now it's for me to thank you and your team and my colleagues and allow you and your team only to leave this platform. It's only members and the staff of parliament that will remain so that we can deal with the minutes. Thank you, TM and your team. You can just uh, uh, leave the platform and then it's only members that will remain.
Thank you, Chair. All right. Thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you to all the members. Colleagues, uh, Amanda has assisted as we do have uh, the minutes. Uh, let's deal with them. Thank you very much. <clears throat> we received the minutes on time and we have read the minutes. So, by so saying, before we adopt the minutes, yes, uh, if you can recall uh, in our meeting, uh, you, you can look at the last page of the minutes, it says their resolutions. The department must submit a written report with regard to uh, the 3.2 million vouchers. Uh, there is a, a sentence that was left out also there that must include the 970 broadband sites also. They must submit a report on that also. That was what we have requested in the previous meeting. I don't know if you can recall that. So that must be also uh, added on the minutes. <coughs> yes, Memo uh, Dizer. With those amendments uh, that Honorable um, Arnold has spoke about, I move for the adoption of the minutes. Thank you. Any second? Baby seconds, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, Mama. The minutes have been adopted. Uh, allow me, colleagues, uh, to take this opportunity to thank you for availing yourself. Uh, I know that we go through some challenges, low shading, connectivity, and moving from one meeting to another, but be that as it may, we are always available to make sure that uh, the committee is able to do its work. Without much ado, allow me to officially declare this meeting officially closed. Thank you. Thank you, Mama. Recording thank you, Mama. Thank you, thank you, Chairperson. Oh,